On this episode of Location Cubed, we talk about the supply chain, give you a movie review, and we're in a new studio. You're watching Location Cubed. Howard, yeah. went to see Top Gun Maverick yesterday. Again? Again. Okay. So we went to see it. We went to see it the first time. Right on opening weekend. Opening weekend. It's the first time since I was probably 16 years old that I've gone to see the same movie twice in the theater. And I got to tell you, it was better the second time around. Really? And why is that? Um, it, you just pick up so many more details of, of something like that the second time through. So if, if you're inclined to, I would definitely go see it a second time around. Or but, would you see it a third time? Absolutely. Okay. And okay. I, that's one I'll probably buy on video too. And I'm not even a Tom Cruise <laughs> fan, but it was really cool. Um, first time we went, remember the theater was struggling with some supply chain issues? Especially in the soda machine. Yes, yeah. I know but you we noticed struggled that you with noticed that. the soda machine. <laughs> and those those problems really haven't subsided. No, so they it, haven't. So it, it was interesting. The, the shelves were still a little bit uh, less stocked with candy. You mm -hmm. can see that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I would say probably a third of those soda machines was functioning. And actually, I, I just asked one of the employees, I said, well, are, are the machines out of order? And they said, no, we, we actually can't get some of the syrup and some of the carbonated um, product that's needed to actually make the soda. So yeah. we've gone down to about a third of our machines. I mean, I, I was at the grocery store yesterday and lots of still a lot of empty sh shelves. And they've actually now put stickers on the empty shelves that say, sorry for the inconvenience. Yeah. I guess now they're apologizing for it, whereas before they weren't. Well, you notice like, you know, when you go to stores like that, a lot of times they'll move product. If, if they're out of something or if there are only a few of that item, they'll move those products toward the front of the shelf, oh. right? Uh, you see a lot more of that happening. If you look behind, you see a lot more empty space. Well, you know, there. that's nothing new. Back when I was in high school, I was a stalker, and we would always throw everything on the shelf and then move it forward. It's yep. called facing, so right. it would look good. Um, now what I see is basically where you would have something that tastes really good. Yep. Now there's a sticker for it, but there's something that tastes really bad in its place, which right. generally doesn't get purchased very much. So back when you were working in those stores, they, I think they were called general stores at the time, right? <laughs> that's probably sometime during the gold rush. Wow. Okay. No, uh, no, they were regular grocery stores, thank you. But they weren't like the superstores like you've got with, you know, Walmart and Target and some of those places. So how is that how do you think the supply chain is putting pressure on real estate, whether it be through development, new construction? What are we seeing? Well, it's you know, it's interesting. Probably the biggest headline that's been going on most recently has been Amazon. Right. And the fact that they've kind of said, okay, wait, let's take a step back. You know, they had been on a tear in right. terms of buying properties in terms of leases, in terms of you know building fulfillment right. centers. And now they've said, well, maybe we need to take a step back. Right. So you know they're subletting some spaces, I think is what I read. Mm -hmm. um, there's other cases where they've made plans to build something and now they've put those on hold. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, it's kind of a two-part question, is number one, when they were going forward and they were buying everything, you know, Part of Amazon's strategy, I think, is tax breaks. Yeah. So were they saying, okay, we're going to buy this parcel of land and we're going to put 500 jobs on this mm -hmm. in, in this fulfillment center? What are you going to give me? Right. And maybe all along that was a little bit of a ploy. Right. And basically, they wanted to buy the land from a speculation standpoint only um, for a longer term play. Um, and maybe we're still able to get tax breaks. Although probably the tax breaks won't kick in until jobs come in. But at least they've got those secured, right. maybe for the future. The other part is. Is there, a, is there a fundamental change in terms of do they not – are they able to get the products to be able to fill the warehouses? And then ultimately, are there people willing to buy everything yeah. that, they, that they're selling? 
Right. Is it a more of a demand issue as opposed to a supply issue, right? I, I can certainly see the supply issue mm -hmm. in certain types of products. Amazon used to ship within a day or two days, and well, now there's some products that say, hey, you're not going to get this for a week to 10 days, depending on our fulfillment source. Right. And, and again, I think it depends. So on Saturday night, I bought a book. I was at the mall with my wife, and I read a book review, and I bought the book. Like an actual book with an pages? Actual, an actual book with oh, okay. pages. I like to actually read okay. books that I can hold in my hand. Um, and here we are, and I got it the next day um, by, by noon. Uh, but at the same time, there's other stuff that we'll order, and basically it's like, well, you'll get it in a week or two. Right. And you just kind of, you know, I, I don't have a really big issue with that. I think we've kind of got a little bit spoiled by the, you know, buy it now, get it in five minutes. Right. Um, that's probably... Definitely an unsustainable model, but yeah. is that really kind of kind of a little bit less um, less to life? You don't have anything to anticipate when you buy something fun. Well, I think it it is definitely something that we've gotten spoiled with because I remember you know pre pandemic, go back five six years ago, you know you would order something whether it would be you know a part or material, whatever, a book, and you were used to saying, okay, well I'm going to wait five to seven days to get that, and then it shows up, and, and I was happy. Right. And we instead, became very you, spoiled with that one to two-day well, shipping. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is if you didn't want to wait five to seven days, like it's something you needed, you got in your car you or the train or the bus or whatever, and you went to the store and picked it up there. Right. You know, and now there's people, you know, I remember my mother when she was in the pandemic was, this is great, I'm never going to go to a store again. And I don't know, I have to talk to her and see if she's gone to a store since then, right. but maybe not. So we've seen some uh, companies, publicly traded companies, release earnings, mm -hmm. you know, revised revenue targets. You had Walmart, you had Target. What is your takeaways from some of that economic news? Well, you know, I read about Target and some of their issues with their inventory and their, their earnings warnings. And the first thing that came to mind was that the NOAC family must have lost their password. Yeah. So, um, you know, earnings are down because sales are down because y'all can't get online. Right. Um, that was the first thing. But it's, you know, really the question is, ultimately, is what's really driving that? Yeah. Is, you know, is why did, did, did Target make an old-fashioned, whoops, we ordered too much of the wrong stuff? Right. Did Target anticipate that there was going to be more e-commerce buying or more buying that just didn't materialize? Mm -hmm. Or, again, was it a... Yeah, we still ordered all this stuff because we thought it was going to get backed up, and right. now we've it all came in maybe different than expected. Because right. just because the supply chain's messed up, doesn't mean it's like you can't get anything. It could right. be a matter of you know, oh wow, here's four truckloads of something that we only needed one, right. and their warehouse just got you know just got stacked and up. And maybe you're anticipating, or they were anticipating demand at the same rate for certain of those consumer staples, or, and we're not we're not buying toilet paper at the same rate we were in right, April of right. 2020. But or or at the same time is it a matter of okay, we're buying, you know, 10,000 cases or pallets of toilet paper, we expect to get it over the next 6 months and yeah. it all shows up in two. Yeah. I still don't understand the whole toilet paper thing. Why we felt we needed to overstock on toilet paper instead of basic food products in March and April of 2020, I will still never know. I think we're still living off that toilet paper supply in my house. Uh, no comment. Yeah, okay. Um, talk about how it relates to, just let's talk about the real estate industry in general, mm -hmm. okay, and, and as it relates to materials and, and how the supply chain is potentially impacting materials prices. I mean, we continue to see a premium on certain materials, lumber, hardwoods, mm -hmm. um, even, you know, things like fixtures, right? Um, how's that going to continue to impact not just industrial but other classes of yeah. assets as well? Well, I mean, we talked about this on a previous podcast where we were mentioning, I think it was from the home building standpoint. Mm -hmm. I think you're still, you know, 
materials prices are still up in the air. I think the biggest issue right now and what I'm hearing from talking to my friends in our construction group and construction clients is there's just so much uncertainty yeah. right now around materials prices and materials delivery. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of I can order something today, and when am I going to get it? Right. And when I get it, how much is it going to get? Is yep. it going to cost? And how do I make sure? How do I build that uncertainty into a fixed price contract? Right. You know, with with a customer that's fair to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, I mean, it, and it's a matter of again going back, and maybe maybe what it is is maybe the reason Amazon isn't necessarily filling up their warehouses with toilet paper. Yeah. Maybe they're filling it up with building supplies, and they're just not telling anyone yet. Uh, that, I mean, you yeah. never you never know. Well, I, I wouldn't put anything past the the economists at Amazon to be in front of a trend and anticipate. They're mm -hmm. far smarter than we are. Exactly. Right. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're pretty smart, though. Right. I agree. But you know, think. Let's talk about you know single family home or mm -hmm. even you mm -hmm. know multifamily construction. A lot of those types of materials that the price is sort of has stabilized. It's going to be interesting to see how with changes in interest rates. Does do new starts start to stabilize and level off? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do existing home sales start to stabilize and level off? And then will that drive down the prices of some of those materials over time? I mean, the jury is out on that. We probably won't know that for several months. Yeah, there's there's a lot, a lot there. I mean, you're dealing with just basic demand. Right. And and again, we're still here in Texas where the basic demand is stronger than it is in other well, locations. especially for multifamily and single family. Right, yeah. right. Um, not to mention you got the investor demand on the bill to rent. Right. Uh, you know, the fact is, is again, I'm still going to say, wow, interest rates are 5%. You know, my wife and I were really happy when we got a seven and a quarter interest rate loan on our first house. You know, I mean, they're still not high I'm not going to make rates. an age joke there no, uh, from the 1970s because I like Cecily far too much. 1980s, actually. But okay. the difference is, you know, we're spending under 100 grand as opposed to barely under a million. Right. You know, there's a big difference there, obviously. Right. Um, but so I would, I would say you've got all these, these different factors. But again, I'm hearing more and more about the house prices and the inventory, inventory creeping up. Prices starting to stabilize. So maybe, you know, I'm definitely not using the B word here, but I think maybe we're getting to a point where it's becoming more rational. Um, and we're going to maybe see a more traditionally normalized level of inventory, price increases, et cetera. But remember, in Texas, you know, the price increases we've had over the last two or three years yeah. from the house prices, historically speaking, you know, we never had price increases. Right. You know, my old houses, whenever I would sell them after owning them for 10, 15 years, I was lucky to get 3%. Right. You know, there wasn't this, you know, I'm going to buy a house and double it and flip it. You right. know, that just didn't happen here in Texas before. So I'm going to be the surrogate for our listeners. Uh, the B word is that bust. Bubble. Bu bubble, bottom. Okay, I was going to give me three guesses. I was hoping you weren't thinking bubble. But, you know, the fundamentals today are so much different than they were the last time we hit that housing bubble. True. Okay? Um, it, it was driven by, obviously, different factors. There was, obviously, significant weakness. There was the, the F system. word. There was the F word. That the, would be the, fraud. The fraud word, yes, yes. yes. Well, and, you know, you talk about the types of products that were being mm -hmm, offered at mm -hmm. the time, the undocumented loans right. and folks who were getting far overextended. Um, you might still see some geographic bubbles. Um, hopefully, we're still insulated to that from a certain extent in, in the Texas markets, mm -hmm. fueled by 
you know, more job creation and job growth, which we've talked about right. new business formation on some of our other podca- right. podcasts. Well, one thing I also want to mention, especially about the high-end house prices, because I remember reading in- <laughs> Well, you got to redefine what high-end house prices. is Let's now. say over a million, maybe even higher than over a million. Is, mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, the closer in enclaves in town mm-hmm. where, you know, you've got big houses on big lots and people who are like CEO type folks are, are buying. Is I read an article not too long ago, they were talking about- is the higher interest rates going to change demand? And the realtor that they were talking to basically said no. His viewpoint was because basically everybody who has one of these houses got a loan. Okay? But the reason they got a loan was because the money was so cheap. Right. They've got the money in the bank to basically pay cash for the house. Yep. But if you have, you know, let's say $5 million, you have $20 million in the bank and you want to pay $4 million for a house and you know, you can borrow on it for 3%. If your investments are earning more, well, borrow on it for 3%. Take some of the ta- however much of the tax deduction you can. It works economically. If your earnings are, you know, 6 7% and you're going to borrow at 5 6%, it becomes a little bit more of a, eh, maybe I'm better off paying mm-hmm. cash, but they still have the means and the wherewithal to pay cash. Right. So think about all mm-hmm. the people moving here from New York, from California, from Illinois, from places where house prices are really high, they have cash in their pockets, yeah. okay? They're getting loans or they've gotten loans because it makes sense because mm-hmm. it was cheap. Yeah. But now that it's maybe not so cheap, but they could still afford to pay cash, maybe the house price right. values aren't going to change much because they're kind of relatively insulated from that. Right. Well, it, it may in some of those areas where folks are moving from impact housing prices over time. Mm-hmm. But it's almost as if that capital is being transferred from some of those markets into other higher growth markets. I mean, right. and again, it remains to be seen whether or not that will play out over time, but that's one thought. Right. You've been listening to Location Cubed. If you like what you hear, check out the like button. And better yet, invite it over for a strong cup of gourmet coffee, but instead serve it really weak Sanka with stale milk. And check us out next time where we're going to talk in depth about the hospitality industry. You've been listening to Location Cubed.